0: The celebration of
1: his life is like something I've never seen. He pulled me aside and Clive said, would you allow an old Rue to take you out to dinner? And I said, oh, thank you, Clive. That would be very nice, but... First of all, I have a husband and he might wonder where I am. Oh, that's one of those opportunities you just
0: let slip by, Corrie. I'm not saying you would have, you know, had a crack at him, but it would have been nice to have dinner with
1: him. The weirdest thing I've read about this week, Carol, is the unauthorised musical produced by Johnny Depp, which focuses on Michael Jackson's life from the perspective of Michael Jackson's sequin glove. <laughs> the glove is telling the story. That's pretty weird. Do you want to know more?
0: No. No. <laughs> Even now there's racial taunts and it's just horrifying to think of this massive sporting superstar, one of the biggest sporting names in this country, one of the most brilliant athletes in this country, still occasionally having to put up with that crap.
2: Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Hello everyone
1: and welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. It is episode one hundred and eleven, one one one. one, one, one. Oh my goodness, where have those episodes gone, Caroline Wilson? Hello. Well, it's December, Corrie. It doesn't feel like summer, but it
0: officially is summer, and we have a heap to get through today.
1: So much to get through. We are culture vultures this week, Caro. We have been to a concert, you've been to a stage show. We had a happy book club breakup with another one later this week. Another one to come. One of many breakups to come, Corrie. (laughs) It's the month of breakups. And we'll remember, of course, Clive James and I have a book and you have a recipe. But first, let's And you said goodbye to a very dear friend this week. And you're going to talk about that in Crush of the Week. I am going to talk about that. Hold the tears. Uh, December challenge, Caro. What's happening? Well, can we pat ourselves on the back over November 1st? Okay, let's talk about that.
0: Films from the British Film Festival, and I got out my book on Michael Powell and Emirate Pressburger and reread that, and another brilliant book on a, highlights of the best British films ever made that mum gave me a few years ago. So I'm all over. You
1: have nailed this challenge. I've nailed
0: for once, and it was the funnest, easiest challenge, as my brother said. It's not really much of a challenge. Go to the movies six times, and that's true. But I have. But the, you did a bit of research and you booked tickets, so
1: that required some organisation. It did. Have
0: you found the journal? I
1: found the journal. That's yes, the journal Yes, I found the journal. It was, in, it was in a box with old sand shoes. I don't know why it was. It was obviously thrown in there at the last minute.
0: Old know. sand shoes. Isn't that what you do when you're hungover and you drink all the leftover grog? <laughs> <laughs> That's what my, my mother refers to as old
1: sand shoes. What, I become an old sand shoe. Well,
0: apparently someone once <laughs> of her friends poured wine into a sand shoe. or there was wine in a sand shoe. Anyway, it's called old sand shoes. Oh. When you wake up
1: the next day and
0: the party You feel continues. like an old sandshoe. Mm. Princess like Margaret old... would have done that a bit. We'll talk about the crown in a minute.
1: Um, Caro, I, I found the journal and I made a few little notes, which is why I'm so well prepared today. Uh, but our December challenge, before we get on to talking about our um, podcast and Cheerios to Friends, I do want to know what your challenge is for Thursday, uh, for um, December. I'm going to embrace all things Christmas. I am not going to complain about
0: the rush. I'm going to say yes to everything. I'm going to run around and enjoy every party that I'm invited to. And, um, not that many, but the ones I have, I'll go. I've bought tickets, as you have, to a very Jewish Christmas. At the Jazz Lab um, later on this month where the brilliant Alma Ziggia is going to be performing. I'm doing it in the middle of a hectic week, but I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to sing Christmas carols. I didn't get to St Paul's Cathedral this year.
1: Where are you going to sing them?
0: I don't know. Whenever it happens. Feel
1: free on the podcast. There are are a couple of thousand listeners who'd love to hear your voice.
0: I am not, and I'm going to not worry about how busy and awful it all is, and I'm going to somehow enjoy it. Is this a challenge? Believe me, it's every a big challenge, and I'm going and, and I'm going to give. Of today, I'm making a speech. I'm going to give of my time. I'm going to give of my personality. Jesus, you're going to be inundated. And speaking of, you haven't exactly um, embraced this, Corrie. <laughs> this, um, enjoy everything and embrace everything
1: and, and be gracious. No need to quote my conversation. What did on you the say to end? me?
0: You, it, it, in fact, this comes under the headline of apologies. We haven't done that for a while. I made you my biggest and best batch of the lorry Chartres Christmas nuts last year. And what do you say to me, Jane? I'm going to include you in this. Do you know what she said to me the other day? By the way, can you not give me those Christmas nuts <gasps> this year? I mean, is, it, is that
2: rude or is that rude? Well, is it because, like when you gave them to me, I ate an entire Correct. tin of the nuts Thank in about two
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. See, there are other people. It was Pre-emptive for dietary health. Thank you, They're Jane. they to share
0: with your friends. No, I, no, I ate in moderation, them all myself.
1: I ate them all myself. I hid them from friends, Caro. I OD'd. I had, and no I had dreams. And
0: no sooner than you said it, that our friend Mary said the same thing. So I felt as though collusion. Had been collusion that you'd both got together instead
1: of Kara makes those bloody Christmas nuts again. So she said the same thing. Oh Corrie, no, I, I just said to you just a little be- old. I said an old book from an op shop. That's all I wanted. Something mm. and an so now we're you... now
0: we're saying what we want for Christmas from our <laughs> friends. Not um, the.
2: I'm going to be it's... spontaneous with my presents, and I'll be happy whatever I get. You're going to have to give me the recipe again, Caro, because at the mention of your spice nuts, I I'm know going to have me. A too. People Thank up. you,
1: Jane. She was she served them the other night, and I just happened to say, look. You know, give them to somebody more, because I will eat the whole lot, and I, it's just so bad for my health to do that. And she said, I'm so offended you said that. I was offended. But
0: anyway, you will get a book, but but you've also received a little present
1: today. Would you like to thank me already? Oh, yes. Well, thanks for the prompt. So, Caro, you, as we know, or as the potties know, I do the rundown the night before our podcast, and you bring me a, coffee, a takeaway coffee from Albert's. I think I get the easier job, but anyway. And you've brought me in today from Albert's store, my own little coffee
0: mug. Well, it's not actually not from Albert's store, but I took them into Albert's store and he had to show me how to open it. It's a it. keep cup. We've finally embraced the keep cup. This is really bad. For two years, for 111 episodes, we've been drinking coffee out of 110, cardboard.
1: 110, and to- today the 111th, we in glass. Oh yeah, we in
0: glass. So I'm very sorry, everyone, but we've finally turned the corner. You will give that to me at the end of the show and I will take it home and wash it and I will oh. bring it in for you next week.
1: My goodness, come around and do the laundry as well. There's no end to your talents. Your Christmas cheer. You know what? I'm gonna take advantage of this. <laughs> what is your December challenge, Corrie? My December challenge is is um well, given our conversation the other day when I just said I'm so grumpy about Christmas, I'm so pissed off, I'm so exhausted. I decided the way forward was to actually put on a happy face and stay fit and healthy and hydrated. So, my challenge is this: I'm going to exercise every day, maybe not Christmas day. I'm going to drink at least two waters, two litres of water a day. So mm-hmm. yesterday I drank just over two litres. I'm going to try and get up to three. I'm going to have lots and lots of salads, I'm going to avoid sugar, and I'm going to avoid alcohol excess, because, as you know, and Jane has heard me bleat about this now for two Christmases in a row, we have extended shopping hours. I become very emotional and exhausted, like a tired, tired child. And at five o'clock, I have been known to run up to the supermarket and buy a packet of Cadbury's Caramello. Or I don't think one piece maybe of it's chocolate. The, maybe is it- it's the peppermint. I eat the whole lot. I just get so demented. You know, you've got, you've just got to be nice behind the counter to people, and you get tired, and then you go home and you have three glasses of wine or packet of chocolates or Carrows Mixed Nuts or something. Remind so, me not to ask you to my Christmas <laughs> drinks. <laughs> no, I'm going to be fun. I'm going to be fit and healthy and hydrated. That's what I'm doing. Mm, without but, any Christmas nuts. But more particularly exercising every day. So that's going to be it. So it might be a big long walk. It might be yoga. It might be a session with Rosie. You know, just something to keep it going. Okay. So there the you go. Challenges We've, on. Now, we've we, had um, lots of um, feedback and lovely messages, but first we want to plug the Christmas pod show. It's next week, everybody, Tuesday, December the 10th, and we kick off at 6.30, 6.30 until 8.30, and we are having it at Bell's Hotel in South Melbourne on the rooftop. Hopefully the weather will be nice, and we hope you can all come. The tickets are $80, which includes your food and grog and all of that bizzo and, of course, our company, and email Tara at events at com, if you would like to attend, or you can call the lovely Tara on double eight two five six six zero five. We already have about 130 or 140 men and women of all ages who are coming, and I'm very excited to um, welcome them or meet them, and we can't wait to have a big, fun time. That's the plug. The Christmas podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Tuesday, December 10. Can I just
0: read out? We, we should, um, in the interests of equality mentioned Nat Mark Oscar on Instagram who um, was not happy with us. We weren't really celebrating Daniel Andrews, but I said his greatest achievement was assisted dying. Um, He or she was very not happy at all about the... um, the safe injection room, Re- reckons he set it up purely for political points as there was a by-election and he wanted to beat the Greens right up until his out-of-the-blue announcement. He said it would never set up an injection room. Disgraceful behaviour. And according to Nat Mark Oscar, Victoria has gone downhill over the last five years.
1: Mm, that's an interesting point of view. David and Robin Everett, contacted us via the Don't Shoot the Messenger Facebook page and they said, Your program is a delight to listen. Oh, thank you very much. Always interesting discussion and love the humour. We are both teachers and teach the boy in the striped pyjamas to our Year 8 classes. This is in relation to our conversation last week, Harrow, about War the importance literature. of Holocaust. Holocaust yeah. literature, and they say, say it, learning yeah. about our history and particularly the Holocaust is so important. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Robin and David, for that message. Kathy Topp, I'm so glad you tuned in. She said, listen to the Pete Buttigieg interview on The Daily and I'm so impressed. So that's another plug for that mo- most excellent podcast. And
0: before we move on to our cultural highlights, I did love Justin Unwin on Facebook who um, says that um, he absolutely agrees about reaching out Also agrees 100% with you about have a good one, um, that he's too polite to tell these salespeople the real answer he would love to give when they say have a good one or (laughs) reaching out. And um, he reckons it shows a lack of training. And he he also has a thing about salespeople continuing conversations between themselves instead of giving their customer 100% attention. He's not happy with chewing gum, facial piercings, and
1: are you right? Are you right, it's okay. Oh, no, no. You must say, are you happy browsing or may I help you? Not, yeah. are you right? Well, I actually if say... If somebody in our bookshop said that, I'd
0: send them out the door, quick sticks. Or Well, as my children die whenever I do this, I actually say to the salesperson, any chance? <laughs> As they've been on their fifth phone conversation and all I want to do is know where the changing room is. Oh, that right. That goes against the
1: grain of being happy in December, Caro.
0: That's right. Well, I will be now. I won't mind. (laughs) You won't be
1: saying that to the people in I won't be saying any
0: chance. (laughs) Corrie, um, we went to a wonderful concert over the weekend involving um, that beautiful singer, Rebecca Bernard, um, a local friend, I suppose, friend, acquaintance of yours, someone I've known for most of my life. And she did a Joni Mitchell tribute concert at the Point Nepean National Park. How did you enjoy it?
1: Well, I loved it on so many levels. First of all, it was an important fundraising for the local historical society, which, as we know, is very involved with keeping that quarantine centre alive. But also the local historical society at Sorrento has thousands of artefacts dating back to the 19th century and the early settlers, and including Indigenous communities who were in the area lots of flints, stones and lots of little bowls and things that they've found over the years. So it's a very important cause and uh, the community got behind it and Rebecca Barnard was just superb. Absolutely on song as Joni Mitchell. but In, the, in, in the her Bedco
0: Hall yeah. in the middle of
1: the National Park on yeah. a wild and windy night. Yeah, I did feel like we'd
0: come in with the first fleet. It was so <laughs> wild and windy. <laughs> it was. No, look, it, Joni Mitchell spoke to me and I think probably a generation of women in the way no other musician, as you know, ever has. I just adore her. She, the, the playlist Rebecca chose was absolutely brilliant, as was Pete Farnham, her guitarist and pianist. Farnham. Not F- Johnny Farnham. Farnham. Fa- Farnham. Did yeah. I say that? Sorry, John, Pete, Pete Farnham. And um, our friend Deb Conway got up and um, chimed in on the last song, Kerry, and it was a great night. So that was – then I went – a few days earlier, I finally got to see Come From Away, which mm. is on at the Comedy Theatre. When I first heard this promoted on 3AW, I thought, oh, that sounds a bit daggy it was so beautiful it so made, this is the
1: story of the nine and what happened on the day of 9/11 yeah. when all the american airlines were grounded
0: and redirected into newfoundland into a little town in newfoundland um population of somewhere between 5 and 6000 people um, the population doubled for four or five days um It's a musical, it's low budget, it's just a lot of people, one group of people who play a lot of different characters on a stage. How it works, I do not know. It was the perfect musical for Brendan because it went for an hour and 40 minutes without an intermission. You didn't feel as though it was long, you didn't want it to end. The dancing and the music was so uplifting. It made me cry... Although if my, a friend, my friend Sal said that I seem to do that a lot lately. But maybe it's maybe it's some old age. But mm. I just found it; it was just it's a the be- menopause. I don't think so. I don't. That's, I seem, that seems to have avoided. I seem to have missed As that My completely. mother says, menopause
1: gives you a beard and your knees sag. Um, Oh,
0: okay. Well, no, no, I, I don't think it's that, and I think that your beard's looking pretty. It's a good, slightly
1: mean-spirited
0: comment, but anyway, <laughs> no, it was beautiful. I mean, it's such an amazing. I mean, it sounds corny, but in this time, in that time of you know, one of the greatest actors Acts of hate of all time. This sort of community got together, and there's just a couple of really important moments. It just, it really was a musical that took Melbourne by storm. It started in the middle of
1: winter. It sounds, still it sounds going. great, and it's still going. I love stories about groups of people who are stranded. I love movies like, uh, is it Holiday Inn with uh, yep. Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire, yeah, and which where is they get where stranded. White Christmas was first That's performed. Right. Yep. And they get stranded in. It, there's a snowstorm, and they get stranded at a guest house. And then, of course, Shangri La. Do you remember the original Shangri La with yes. the with the toy plane on wires? The original across, one, yes. coming across a backdrop of Mount Everest. <laughs> not
0: uh, not Lost Horizon, which was you know my all time. Oh, favourite. Lost Horizon
1: was Liv Ullman, wasn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, no the, the, the world original is a circle. The
0: original one was fantastic. My favourite of those is Brigadoon.
1: Remember Brigadoon? Oh, Dune, yeah, the little Scottish town Yeah. That Again, wasn't really real. And but... then the and then the girl comes out to the real world and turns into an old woman like she did in
0: Oh, it was just yeah, that's right. Shangri-La. Like
1: in like in Lost Horizon yeah. in Shangri-La.
0: Yeah. Um anyway, so that was great. And um the other thing we've both been to is your coastal book club breakup.
1: Yours too. Well, yes. You're a member. You haven't attended often, but you're still a a loved member of that group. I'm a member and I went along, but you you walked in and you knocked over the ice bucket.
0: (laughs) The ice. ice, Luckily, it was only ice. It was sitting in a giant clamshell.
1: Well, I had to go out. You were trying to sneak out to do your radio interview and all of a sudden. (laughs) I
0: know. I tried to make a quiet exit. (laughs) But what a lovely group of women and what a great
1: event that was. I just really enjoyed it. Well, look, this is the thing about book club breakups, and I suppose there are lots of women and some men who are nodding in agreement. The book club breakup is the thing that you put in your diary 12 many months men, in advance. And it's we had at the bookshop, as you know, Cara, we have several book clubs and our big breakup was a couple of weeks ago. We had two visitors, Michael McGurr and Elliot Pillman, Two local authors of great note, and we had a fabulous time. And the Coastal Book Club, we had a wonderful time with our gang down there. And then uh, we've got our own Melbourne Book Club, you and I, in a night or two, where we We do do. Brownlow voting on the best book that we've read for the year. Three, Three, two, two, one. And we
0: always forget whether three's the best or one's (laughs) the best. And then we all give each other. We do a KK, and there's a prize. Marjorie gives us a prize for the best wrapping, and there's beautiful wrapping. And and then I have
1: have the big. the big prize the big um, that's, that our friend Sally made our member who made last year to as actually the trophy that goes to the person it's named after a book club member i won't name her name but she attended one meeting and back in the 90s back. and never came back so this trophy's in, in, named after her and it's given to the person whose book who chose the book that wins the brownlow voting that's so i is. received it last year for Wool light Oh, did you? Which and is I'm, getting, great, I'm really looking forward to passing it on because the spray paint is—it keeps—it's in the back of my cupboard and it keeps falling on my clothes. It's sort of—it's—it's it's like a silver boot, isn't it? Correct. But it's got a
0: name. It, the brand yes. name is um. The yeah. name of the person. <laughs> That's right. That's it. That's it. Oh, of course. Anyway. Shh. That's right. Of course. It's all coming back. <laughs>
1: idiot. It was good work Anyway, to myself. everybody who's work. having a book club breakup, have a great time and just celebrate the fact that books have brought you together. Um, like me, you don't drink too much because, of course, we're having a healthy December. But uh, enjoy one another's company. And can I just give everyone the tip? Don't write down the books you're going to do for the year ahead. Be nimble, be flexible. Just be a little bit open-minded about what books you're going to read as the year progresses, because one will come out of the box a bit like your boy swallows universe. Cara, I mean, if you had said to someone last December, "I think this book is worth doing in book club," people would have laughed. And then all of a sudden, it's the book. So well, just well, that was a recommendation from my brother's
0: Sydney book club. So you know, book clubs can converse occasionally and give each other intel. I mean, I've read some wonderful books this year that I, I never would have read Home Fires, for example, Yes. if it hadn't been. Well, in fact, our friend Sal gave that to Brendan as a present, and but I, it was recommended by a book club. I loved it. Now, Corrie, Clive James died. Well, he actually died a few days before we all learnt that he'd died, mm. but the um, celebration of his life is like something I've never seen, and I think it's probably it was timed beautifully for all the weekend newspapers. But I noticed the Weekend Australians review section actually did a wraparound, which they must have done as a deadline thing because the review section had a wraparound about Clive James celebrating his literature, his poetry, everything about his life, which I thought was
1: so impressive. Well, I do know that obituaries obviously have been written well in advance because they knew that he was um, so unwell. Well, he was meant to die in about 2014 when he did that interview with Kerry O'Brien. That's right. In 2011, he was diagnosed with leukaemia. So, look, I can't even begin to talk about Clive James's impact on the literary world, but also Australian culture as well. He was... was, um, He's got such an interesting story, Clive James. He was born Vivian Leopold James and he received so much stick at school, he put the pressure on his widowed mother to change his name. His father had died, was in a Japanese war camp during World War II, but actually died in the plane coming home, which was an absolute tragedy, and Clive was a little boy. But he said to his mother, I just can't cope being called Vivian because Vivian Leigh was the big star of Gone With The Wind. So he... He chose Clive, the name of Tyrone Power's character in the 1942 film, This Above All, which um, I have never seen. But anyway, Clive was seemed to be quite happy with his name and on he went. He was a star child. His mother worked in a factory. They were very working class in the Sydney suburb of Coggera. And he went to Sydney Tech and then he was so brilliant, Caro. He received bursaries and University of Sydney, um, you know, free passes and all of this sort of thing. And he became a local, uh, I suppose you could say, young intellectual in a group that included people like uh, Robert Hughes, the famous art critic who then went overseas and became the Times art critic for many years, and Bruce Beresford and Jermaine Greer and all of that gang. Who had
0: climbed a tree outside Sydney Uni, didn't need to escape her, her sexual advances. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be Clive. He's so bloody funny, wasn't he? Well, and then he and went such a beautiful and, and then
1: he went to London, and the sort of the rest is history. His big break was in 1972. Uh, He became the Observer's TV critic, and I can remember when I had a gig writing the television column for the Sunday Age for a few years. The first thing I did was I bought his collections of essays and immersed myself. They still they still stand up. I've got a couple. Mum used
0: to give them to me for Christmas. I mean,
1: one his review of the telecast of Charles and Diana's wedding in 1981 is a superb piece of observing. Journalism, you know, as it happens, the instant it happens. I think he's really great. His books, of course, are racing off the shelves and you can't buy them at the moment because uh, we tried to place an order yesterday. They've all been sold out. But Pan Macmillan, or Picador, who is his main publisher, are re-releasing, hopefully in time for Christmas, uh, his unreliable memoir series, there are four or five in that. Falling Towards England yeah, is and, my favourite. Yes, and you know, he wrote a novel, Brilliant Creatures, back in the early 80s, which was fantastic. It was a parody. It was based yep. on all of his intellectual friends. Such, yep. a, such a great novel, don't you think? Yep. So anyway, they're coming in. I had a bit of a Clive James moment, Caro, when I was working for the Oz in, uh, must have been about 2007 or 2008, he came out as a guest of the Melbourne Writers' Festival And my chief of staff asked me to do a news feature on him, which I think ended up on page three or something. So Clive's publicist said, look, Clive would like to do this over lunch. We went to a lovely South Bank restaurant. I was very aware. I had to go back and write my story. Um, And at the end of the interview, we went outside to the promenade there. So the photographer could take journalists. He pulled me aside and Clive said, would you allow an old roué to take you out to dinner? And I said, oh, thank you, Clive. That would be very nice. But... First of all, I have a husband and he might wonder where I am. And secondly, I know the hostess who has invited you to dinner tonight. And if you didn't turn up, she would be really cross. And if I, you turned up with me, she would be shocked. So I don't think we'd Oh, don't. that's
0: one of those opportunities you just let slip by,
1: Corrie. I'm not saying
0: you would have, you know, you would have, you know, had a crack at him, but it would have been <laughs> nice to have dinner with him.
1: Carol, he had a crack at me. I know. Don't you love that, though? Would you allow an old roué to take you oh. out to dinner? I thought he was so charming. But the thing that I remember most about that interview, apart from the fact that you're just pissing yourself laughing with every line because he's the master of the great line and great comment. It's, it, when he talks, he laughs with his eyes. And when he makes a funny comment, he laughs at his own joke. I love a person, maybe because I do it myself, I love a person yep. who laughs at their own joke. Yep. It's no. a happiness with the world.
0: Yeah, it is, and and well, well, related to him calling himself an old roué and asking you out for dinner, he made it clear in that interview with Kerry O'Brien that he saw himself as sort of an international citizen, wandering. I don't think he used the word wandering minstrel. Going back well, to was the in Cambridge for most of his life, but, but you know that. He saw himself as someone like many brilliant people, because he obviously had a massive ego, who was able to play around, basically, and be unfaithful. And obviously, his family forgave him towards the well, end. His and His poor were all...
1: wife, Peru, long-suffering. And yep. she he had an affair with Leanne Edelston for years.
0: Yeah, and that, oh, that horrible gotcha moment, a current affair did a few years later, where she sort of confronted him. But I mean, all of that was all a bit weird. But he clearly justified it by saying he was just someone who had the right to have
1: these paramours wherever he found them. And you could have been one of them, Corrie. Well, I could have been, but he's asked that he's, he had a, such a fond, fond relationship with Australia. And of course, the last few years, he has not been able to travel because of his leukaemia, emphysema and everything else. Hasn't been able to take the planned flight, but he has asked, and I'm not sure whether that's still going ahead, that his ashes be scattered in Sydney Harbour. But it's a real loss. Some of his poetry
0: really, you know, yes, Knowing he could never come home again because he
1: couldn't fly because the oxygen just wouldn't make it. A couple Um, of a couple of uh, cultural highlights that I do want to mention, and you said the poetry. I couldn't agree more. In particular, I mean, he's done a few, but in particular, "Sentence to Life." which came out in 2015, which is, as you said, he talks about, uh, you know, the inevitable. And the other one was Philip Adams on Late Night Live on the ABC uh, last week replayed an interview he did in 2006 with Clive James before Clive was diagnosed. Um, and Philip sounds much younger and healthier. It's a wonderful, it's like the battle of the smarty pantsers. <laughs> It would be. It would be. It's a really great, and you can get that through the ABC app. So I would suggest that people.
0: So who's who's our new Clive James? Oh my goodness! Is there comparisons are odious, but I mean people have become. You know, we have people who've become cultural icons. I mean, Paul Kelly was mentioned the other day as someone who the older he gets, the more revered he gets. I mean, he's not anything like Clive James, but he's a beautiful writer, songwriter, and the older I get, the more I realise how brilliant he is. Um, I, I'm, it's hard to. I mean, I think Ross Stevenson on Three AW is a great brain and a great raconteur. Well, we had
1: John Clark until a couple of years. Yeah, well, John ago. Clark would. He be, would have been the absolute heir apparent. I would have thought, although not in an international way because he didn't live overseas. Baby. I mean, you know, we have some great authors,
0: and um, we have some brilliant. I mean, somebody said somebody said that um, Gina and Jane Jane Turner and Gina Riley from Kath and Kim were two of the great modern brains and two of the fastest, funniest. And I think Magda Zabanski is another one. And her memoir is one of the most beautifully written mm. books of, a, of an autobiography that I've ever read. So maybe maybe it's a woman. Who knows, Corrie? We'll Who have knows? to think about that. Now, Corrie, you um, have a, a
1: sad but beautiful crush of the week. I do, Caro. Um, my dog, Bearsie. Died last week So lots of people have heard me over the podcast Talk about my beautiful black spoodle Who we acquired as a little pup We were told by the spoodle uh, breeders That they had one for us It was honey coloured and it was a boy And there in the back of the cage Was this little black shy thing And the children who were all small then All fell in love with her And the I was supposed to be taking the golden one home And there in the back of the cage was this little one So we called her Bear because she looked like a little bear. So Bearsy, 17 and a half, um, you know, good innings, incredibly sad, devastating, and everybody who's lost an animal or had to make that choice about do you put them down or not knows how difficult that is. And at some point you have to kind of look in the mirror and say, am I keeping this dog alive for me? And you are, actually. So uh, she was suffering and it was really sudden because it happened on the day, I think, that we recorded this podcast last week and I went home to work and I just realised how frequently she was having these little fits and turns. So that was it. So it's been very sad. What are
0: you going to do with her ashes?
1: Well... It's very interesting at the vet, and I think a lot of m- good um, local vets do this, there is a service where they take the body away and they cremate and it comes back to you in a little canister with paws on it, paw marks on it, which is quite sweet, and a certificate oh. of cremation <laughs> saying that Bearsie has... That would have know. given you a chuckle in a sad. Well, <laughs> it gave me, I thought, oh, <laughs> Lord, it's a bit... What am I going to do with this canister? But um, And the little paw marks are a bit cute, but... Uh, At the back of the certificate, there's a poem about loss and, you know, one day we'll be together again. I thought, oh, well, I don't know what that one. Anyway, it was very interesting. But um, And they give you a candle as well. And so we've talked about it and we thought that a couple of her favorite spots, uh, you know, down at the beach and where she used to love going for swims and things are probably going to be... You know, the go. I you have me- great you mentioned memories of, of her Bear prancing, in- prancing over. You yeah, said the other day, the Tantric over, over the guttering. It. What well, she used to do, Well, I'm not going to put her ashes in the gutter, but well, what, I might what spread about them Fairview, around there.
0: Fairview Park in Hawthorn, but on Where the Yarra. She to swim in the Yarra. Remember her
1: and Billy going into the Yarra there before oh. they put the fencing up. The Those nanny, the, the nanny state oh. Carol, you can't go down that, that bank now anymore. Yeah, look, there'll be a few little spots. the tan would be another one. That dog, that beautiful dog has walked so many kilometres with me and you and my daughters. How many k's has that little dog done? Anyway, it was incredibly sad. So to everybody who's lost an animal, um, you know, we're all part of a very sad little squad. So there you go. She's my crush.
0: I must say, you know, he was... He was an absolutely beautiful dog, Bezzy. And the other he gave lovely us many thing to, happy memories. And, you
1: know, the grandchildren have come along, and I know people have said Spoodles are very family-friendly dogs, but to see her at this old age with the granddaughters was so beautiful. She was so patient, so nice. Anyway, that's it for seen Valet you, Bezzy. She's seen you through
0: good times and bad, Corrie, she the sure
1: old <laughs> It's like a good girlfriend would.
0: Now, um, from, from Crush of the Week to BSF if you have a book as well.
1: I do. Carol and Jane, I'm holding this up to the microphone so everybody can see. It's called Little Nick's Big Day by Nick Natanui, and it's illustrated by Fatima Anaya. This is a picture book for kids probably between the age of, I reckon, four, they might start getting it, to about six or seven. And it's Nick Natanui has written it in verse about his first day at school. And he was very nervous about going to this new school because of the difference. The difference being his the skin colour. Yep. Yeah, and all of that sort of thing. He took his footy with him. Because the children were all told, bring something that means something to you. And the story, of course, is acceptance and celebrating diversity, which I know are buzzwords at the moment, but this book is written with such integrity about these issues. It's a really sweet book. And I urge people to, if they have grandchildren or children or a special child in your life and you're thinking of a Christmas gift and you want to give a book, go no further, especially if they love Aussie rules. But there's not a lot of Aussie rules in it. It's just a really lovely book.
0: It's cute, isn't it? (laughs) Little Nick's Big Day. I read a lovely interview with him in um, The Weekend Age last weekend. He did one of those out-to-lunches with Jake Nile. And um, they went to a pub in, I don't know, in Fitzroy or Brunswick or Carlton or somewhere and um, had lunch. And he spoke about how, you know, even now, even now, you know, there's racial taunts. And it's just horrifying to think of this. Massive sporting superstar, one of the biggest sporting names in this country, one of the most brilliant athletes in this country, still occasionally having to put up with that crap. Anyway, no, it looks like a beautiful book.
1: Was that the interview where Nick basically had salad and Jake admits that he had Jake had a the sausages and then he had the pudding afterwards? Yeah, he did. He said the photographer insisted I have pudding. Sure, Jake. <laughs> Now, what's your screen?
0: Is it another British movie? No, I'm going to talk about The Crown because I've finished watching it and um, I know you... This is the third week in a row. No, no, we haven't talked about it as a screen. We've only okay. mentioned it. Well, you've, have you finished it yet? No, because I
1: don't have a television. It hasn't been hooked up yet. Oh, God, that's so frustrating. Well, that's what happens when you move house and... Oh, dare well, I say, look, the NBN I've,
0: comes into your life. I've finished it. There has been some. There was some brilliant casting, and there was some not so good casting. So, who were your brilliant casting? Oh, uh, Charles Dance as Lord Louis Mountbatten was, as uh, my mum said, a master stroke, and the the episodes involving him are fascinating, particularly the one where he gets involved with this, this vaguely sort of right wing, banking fascist sort of plot to take over the government and um then realizes he's just an old fool who's you know is doesn't have, doesn't really have that relevance anymore um but his mentoring of prince charles anyway he's a brilliant actor harold wilson is fantastic mm, I agree with that Great actor um, who is that actor? um it'll come to me and the guy who who I saw in that film Hope Gap with Bill Nye uh Josh, someone who plays Prince Charles he's fantastic the key the best episodes are the one involving um prince Philip's mother prince Al- Princess Alice and her departure from um the convent because of um war breaking out where she's living in Greece and um Elizabeth insists she comes back to the palace, and Philip doesn't want her at all to come there, and he's embarrassed by her and their rapprochement. It is a beautiful episode. Prince Charles going to Wales to learn Welsh for his coronation is a wonderful episode. And the the Welsh teacher is played by um, another brilliant British actor who is in um, the, the Good Liar, the new Helen Mirren Ian McClellan film. So they're. Um, Princess Margaret, Helena Bonham Carter just doesn't work. She's too big a character of herself and she almost plays herself, although she does get better as it goes on. And the last episodes, there was a great episode about how she goes to America. And- I
1: didn't mind that episode because no. I, I felt, I felt that at the end of that episode what happens. And I won't go into it, but there's a moment of intense sadness, family sadness for her. As she watches Queen Elizabeth at her sister and the Duke of Edinburgh cross a lawn.
2: And Knowing now, I think she's going Winder to cancel. Be...
1: Yeah, we can't sort of say what happens, yeah. but it's a really beautiful acting scene. It's all in the eyes. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and the
0: last episode of the 10, I think, it deals with her marriage breakup and... And Roddy Llewellyn and Mustique and all that sort of stuff. So, look, it's really entertaining. But I think the Wales one, the Lord Louis Mountbatten one, and the one involving um, Princess Alice were my favourite. Olivia Coleman is a brilliant actress and she's grown on me, but she looks so miserable all the way through. She's unhappy for the entire series. And I find that, I don't know, I don't, didn't really enjoy that. I enjoyed her relationship with Harold Wilson. And um, her not so good relationship with Edward Heath. Um, the only actor who remains in his role is John Lithgow as Winston Churchill, but you don't see him for very much because he sort of dies early on. Um, the death of the Duke of Windsor is a really interesting episode, and of course the moon landing is dealt with. I thought that was a bit well, that episode was a bit of a waste of time. But um, Camilla Parker Bowles is in it, and that uh, Cam- and Camilla Shand and her early relationship with Prince Charles. Doesn't
1: the actor who plays? Um Princess Anne. Doesn't she look like Princess Anne as Yet, a young Princess Anne? I think she's, scary, really, she's really good and yeah, her close relationship is. with Prince Philip. But the episode... Well, they always said that Anne should actually be the sovereign of the four children. Anne was the one who was really made of Turner stuff. She's pretty
0: impressive. Um, Prince Andrew and Prince Edward don't get a look in really at all in this series. Hopefully
1: Prince Andrew never will get another
0: look in, Well, I? Well, I think he will if, if the series keeps going. And, of course... Um, Don't you love people who give tell-all interviews and um, now the the other half of this dreadful Jeffrey Epstein scandal has spoken overnight? And I love it when she says, um, she said he was, you know, all the Sweaty, sweaty in the dance floor. So sweaty. It was like being rained on. I'm like, oh, this is just absolutely. But, you
1: know, she she filmed that before the Prince Andrew interview, so she didn't know that he was going to say that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That the sweat became the issue. Obviously, Andrew's people heard on the grapevine what she had said. So they addressed the sweat issue and they've come up with this thing that during the Falklands War he was so traumatised and so full of adrenaline that it affected his sweat glands. Don't believe a word of it. Anyway, Series 4 is now being made.
0: I think we're going to see Claire Foy again in flashbacks, which which is great. We're going to be introduced to Lady Diana Spencer. We're going to see her marriage to Prince Charles. We're going to see the Australian tour. So... Just bring on series four is all I can say.
1: Well, I'm just impressed that you've watched that so quickly. It only debuted a couple of weeks ago. You must have been glued to the box.
0: Well, not really. The the episodes are only an hour and I've just been doing one every time I've got a moment. It's just – it's look, I still really enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed series one – the most. But they're all fantastic. There are things that can't be true. As we said earlier, the Queen wouldn't have been jealous of Princess Margaret. There's a few things that aren't quite right.
1: Can I also just say not having a television has many, brings with it many blessings. Um, one of them being that to listen to Dave Warner's uh, triple ton and all that was happening over the weekend with the cricket. It could have been it's a actually, quadruple ton had a- the
0: captain allowed him to bat on.
1: <laughs> it's actually really lovely to listen to the cricket on the wireless. I know that's not a new concept. I know we've been doing it for years, but yeah, you know, I've been listening to it. It's on the just lovely as well. to have. It's such a summer feel, isn't it? That it fills is. your house. So that's been very enjoyable. Anyway, nothing to do with screen. You have a recipe. This is the easiest recipe you will ever make, and you'll never go.
0: Well, you probably will, but you don't need to. you say to. that
1: probably every second week.
0: You do not need to go this to the, the supermarket and buy hummus ever again. Um, my friend Deb, who stayed the weekend, was relating this recipe to her sister over the phone. I said, oh, I've got some dried chickpeas in the cupboard. Maybe you can make it for lunch. We didn't even soak the chickpeas overnight. We soaked them for an hour and then slow boiled them for two hours with bay leaves. It's out of Karen Martini's Feasting, one of your favourite books. It's um, a wonderful cookbook. He calls it chickpea puree, which, you know, Karen, it's almost really. there. Are, there's only a few ingredients. You'll have them all. If you've got a bay tree, even better. Two times 400 um, gram cans of chickpeas, one bay leaf, two halved cloves of garlic, 100 mils of extra virgin olive oil, two teaspoons tahini paste, juice of two lemons and one to two tablespoons of water, which I use the chickpea water and you mightn't even need it given the liquid. You know, there might be enough liquid anyway. You pretty much boil the chickpeas, even though they're canned, you, you place them with the bay leaf in a saucepan of water. Bring them to the boil, drain them, puree the hot chickpeas, the garlic, then and you add all the remaining ingredients into the Easy, food peasy. processor. Oh, it it is the creamiest, smoothest, most fantastic. You could have that
1: with lots of things. You could have it with chicken, and you could do all sorts of things with it.
0: Yeah, couldn't it's, you? Well, well, we had it with we had it with leftover roast chicken and yeah, a big tomato
1: salad. Beautiful, absolutely delicious. Caro, just on food issues, you know, I've had the weevil problem. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when I moved house again, I once again attacked the pantry and I threw everything out, so many rices, so many flours. <laughs> not, not not a really a weevil to be seen until, do you know what the culprit was? The baking powder. The so not baking the, not powder. Not the flour. Not well, the no, because that was all sealed because when I moved last time, I just thought no weevils. So I bought new stuff and I sealed it and everything was Tupperware to within an inch of its life. No weevils until I got to the baking powder. Who would have thought? Anyway. We actually
0: put some baking powder in with the chickpeas. That's just another thing. Oh, okay. Because that was good if
1: you hadn't soaked them overnight. Not weevils with the chickpeas. No. I've, I've,
0: look, weevils are not something I've ever had. It's weird. Oh, don't boast. Now, what are you grumpy about? Well, you know how I. You're not I, allowed to be grumpy this month. You know how I. Well, I am. You know how I wasn't allowed to be <laughs> grumpy about Brian Hartzer and I had another yes. grumpy. Well, now he finally has fallen on his sword. He's done the he right thing. I obviously heard own. you, Caro. Well, he's. He's not without his multi-million dollar payout. Everyone's very grumpy at the moment. Elton John gave those security guards in Perth <laughs> a complete spray and used the C word. I think and, it's the um,
1: Christmas rush. Jerry, it's getting to people.
0: Jerry Harvey at his a- AGM had an absolute meltdown. He was grumpy. Um, I'm, I'm grumpy that everyone says, well, Brian Hart's a poor old Brian, didn't get his special bonus, but he did manage to get several million dollars payout. So that makes me grumpy. But I'm going to reprise a grumpy from last year. Black Friday. It's not Black Friday in Australia. What are we going to do next? Are we going to celebrate Thanksgiving? We already celebrate Halloween. It is so annoying. But, you know,
1: they've had Black Friday in the States for ages because they found that people went on their Thursday night thanksgiving retreat and they didn't shop for three days so the retailers in new york started this and they had to get everybody up and running but what's happened is that the internet has meant like you know how halloween took about 20 years to come to australia yeah this thing has taken off in two years oh. because of the internet because we all subscribe to whatever shop it might be you know barnes and noble or it might be a, a dress manufacturer or it might be a shoe place or whatever it is and all of a sudden everybody's doing it and if you look through your feed over the last six days. Black Friday. Everywhere. It is, it's And a you gate start crash. to
2: think, oh, gosh, maybe yeah. I should actually, you know, buy something. Miss
0: Jane, you have, haven't you?
2: Look, no, I just wanted to add that it was very interesting watching which companies aligned with Black Friday last week and the massive liftouts in all the papers. The uh, prior-mentioned Harvey Norman actually just called it Big Friday. I, we really want a sale. We don't want to miss out on this, but we really don't want to well, be I'm seen as Americanizing were, it. And
1: I'm glad they were sensitive <laughs> enough to take the blackout because for Australians <laughs> who have gone through bushfires, it has True. terrible connotations. Well, the worst bushfires Victoria
0: have ever seen. Um, but that's what Black Friday is to us, and I'm not saying we commemorate that with any joy, but anyway, I don't like it. Now it's time for six quick questions, Corrie. What's the weirdest thing you've read about this week?
1: The weirdest thing I've read about this week, Caro, is the unauthorised musical produced by Johnny Depp, which focuses on Michael Jackson's life from the perspective of Michael Jackson's sequin glove. The glove. (laughs) The glove is telling the story. That's pretty weird. Do you want to know more? No. No. (laughs) It's premiering in Los Angeles in January. (laughs) I thought you might be intrigued. Um, Okay, your quick question. What's your favourite Joni Mitchell song?
0: This is like asking me my favourite child. I mean, there are thousands, but I think given that Court and Spark is my favourite album, even more than Blue, I'm going to say it's a toss between Free Man in Paris and People's Parties, both of which completely resonate with me to this day. So I think I'll say People's Parties. One of the most beautiful songs about how tough it is sometimes to get in the spirit. It's just, the lyrics are unbelievable.
2: I'm just living on nerves and feelings with a weak and a lazy mind and coming to people's parties, bundled deaf, dumb and blind I wish I had more sense of you keeping the sadness at bay, throwing the lightness on these things, laughing at all
1: The joy of Chelsea morning.
0: I love Chelsea morning. I love California. Don't get me, there are so many beautiful songs, but I'm going to say people's parties. Corrie, uh, what's the weirdest website you've
1: discovered this week? You've had a lot of weird experiences this week. Tipsy Elves. What happens when you don't have a television, (laughs) Carol? tipsyelves.com. Fun clothing and outfits for every holiday. So, Carol, there are these two American blokes, Evan Mendelson and Nick Morton. One was a dentist and one was a lawyer. And they were old college mates and they used to go to college parties. You know how Americans have that thing of dressing up in Father Christmas, terrible, you know, onesies or jumpers or things like that. Yeah. And they decided that um, they would go back to their college days. They weren't having much fun as a lawyer and a dentist, respectively. And in 2011, they started Tipsy Elves to make your life more fun. (laughs) And they, so they create outfits, not just for Christmas, jumpers and T-shirts, a rather nice onesie I saw with navy blue and white reindeer. There was also the gingerbread gingerbread jumpsuit, which could look quite cute on Brendan, I think. Um, but there's all they also do um, outfits for Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Halloween, bachelor, tipsy, bachelorette parties, tipsy, tipsy elves, elves, tipsy wow. elves.com. So I heard about them from Pod Save America. They are crackers, these oh, people. Oh, and
0: I've seen all the models, mod- modelling
1: the onesies <laughs> and there are... Ho- oh. Jane's just put it up on her feed. It's hilarious. Anyway, if you just want a bit of fun, contact Dipsy mm. at k- tipsyelves.com. Caro?
0: And she makes fun of me for watching all the episodes <laughs> of The Crown.
1: Um, well, at least you can. Some of us don't ever a deli. Now, just in relation to Scott Morrison's really weird and inappropriate phone call to the New South Wales Police Commissioner a few days ago, have you ever made a call that you wish you shouldn't have made? Can I just follow, interject
0: with a story? Uh, my husband, Brendan, broke on Channel 7 News this week, which is a visit that maybe shouldn't have been made, and that was Tony Abbott's decision to go and um, visit George Pell on Monday at the Melbourne Remand Centre, I think it was. Whoa. Brendan actually got was there, got the interview with Tony Abbott, got the shot of Tony Abbott coming in and, and it was a great story and it's had massive um, national coverage, in fact, international coverage. I don't think that's – that's maybe a visit that maybe should have been.
1: How did Brendan get the tip off on that? Oh, it's, oh, you it's, see, if you know a couple of Pentridge officers, well, well, it's, it's amazing. Don't, you don't sort of
0: – Well, I don't think, I don't think it was a, he's at Pentridge, is he? I think he's at the Romance Centre. But, yeah, anyway. Um, well, the phone call I shouldn't have made was one I didn't know I was making. You know, one of those ones where you accidentally dial someone and we won't name names. Oh,
1: I know this And story.
0: you're going to lunch with them and you are saying to the person "Obviously, you, I've got to go and have lunch with this person, you know. it's not
1: quite how you said it.
0: But... Yeah, I didn't say it like that. And the person heard me because I accidentally dialed their number while I was saying it. <laughs> oh, dear. That was the worst moment of my life when said person
1: rang me back. And, Potties, I can... <laughs> I can said, vouch for this because I was at a desk nearby and in the said, age Look, I'm under and she turned white. Under the circumstances,
0: said this person as they rang me back, I think we'll cancel lunch. Oh, you were shocked. Bottles okay. of champagne, thank- letters of apology. It's never been quite the same. And it serves me right. Anyway, that's a phone call I should never have made. What's the weirdest tip you've
1: been given all week, Corrie? In the independent newspaper on the weekend, uh, we learned that the Queen prefers round ice cubes, Caro, to square ones. Round ones apparently don't make such a large, loud, loud clinking sound in the glass. So when you're having your Dubonnet or whatever it is that's the Queen's favourite tipple, she has round ice cubes because she's so busy with affairs of state she has time to ask her staff <laughs> to get the round ones rather than the square ones because that's what happens when you're rich and privileged. I just don't... You know you know those cocktail bars
0: now that serve those huge blocks of ice?
1: Mm. I don't like it. Oh, well, you're with the Queen then. Yeah, I'm with the Queen. I, I, yeah, anyway. Um, you and the Queen have a lot in common. Uh, what's your GLT?
0: Cafe 55. 55 Cooyong Road. I think the suburb would be Elstonwick. Every Friday... They make, speaking of hummus, the hummus theme is going on. They make this hummus, which they ser- they only make it on Friday. They serve it warm. You go in, you, they serve it with all the other stuff that you eat it with. I, I, I am told it is the most incredible experience and the most beautiful hummus you'll ever eat. Breakfast and lunch, they only do it on Fridays. I think they're quite Can you grumpy. get takeaway or you've got to sit there and eat well, it? Well, that's not the point. You've got to go there and eat it. Okay. They're not quite as grumpy as the man. man I'll meet
1: you for hummus and coffee. Well, no, you just
0: go and have the hummus. Just trust me. (laughs) Cafe 55, Fridays. You know, I remember the man in we'll job. Be there. remember the man in job warehouse, remember that really grumpy man who used to just say get out, get out when you dared to ask if he had Jacquard? or <laughs> You well, can have a roll of calico out of my shop. They're, they're not quite <laughs> as grumpy as him, but I can't anyway, do his
1: European accent.
0: Cafe 55. So that's my GLT, oh, Corrie. Oh,
1: well that's lovely. Well, it does sound like you're a little bit grumpy, but you've got 3 weeks to repair yourself Cara, with your challenge and be happy as a lamb. Well, Corey, dare I say, somebody had to be grumpy for both of us because you were rather—you rather had
0: a mortgage on grumpiness for a few weeks.
1: I have no, and but I'm going to be healthy, so that's the good thing. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to us. We do have our Christmas podcast and our finale for the year, and I just wanted to mention that if um, if those who are coming, or even those who are not coming, we're going to have a little Q and A session with. Caro and myself, so if you have any questions you would like to ask us... Um, Peggy O'Neill's going to be there, my yeah, mother Julia but you can write down Anna your from question. the op shop. You can email... Um, our oh, questions, yeah. You can email questions to the Don't Shoot pod.
2: Feedback at Don'tShootPod.com.au. Thanks, Jenna. Always forget it. Can I just remind you as well that $10 per ticket is going to a charity of your choice, and I'm really excited that you have chosen to uh, donate to the Salvos Drought Relief. You can actually, and we'll be putting this money towards it, help a farming family buy, feed, stock supplies mm, pay, pay bills. Bill or whatever, yeah. So just imagine, you know, here we are in our privileged little Melbourne bubble. We will be donating $10 per ticket and there are a few tickets left.
1: And if anybody would like to donate and they can't come, just um, contact us via... I'll, I'll put where? all the details all on right. the, uh, the okay. Facebook you for the do, sale you do all that, Anyway, we're on the rooftop at Bell's next week, <clears throat> Tuesday, December the 10th 6.30 to 8.30. If you'd like a ticket contact Tara events at crockmedia.com or give her a call on 8825-6605. Thank you, Miss Jane, for keeping us on the straight and narrow today. And please, everybody, tell your friends and family to subscribe. We love receiving your feedback, so keep in touch with us. If you see the little stars and I'd ask you to rate our podcast, please give us five stars because that helps other people to find us. And you can also contact us and see what we're doing on Instagram and Twitter at Don't Shoot Pod. And as Miss Jane said, feedback at dontshootpod.com.au is our email address. Caro, it's been lovely to hear today.
0: Good work, Corrie, and don't shoot the message.